The prophet Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of Babylon when he felt called to go to Jerusalem to help rebuild the city. After he had been there a while, people started telling him about what life was really like in Jerusalem. As he listened to that story, let's also listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. From Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish kin. For there were those who said, Our sons and our daughters, we are many. We must get grains so that we may eat and stay alive. There were also those who said, we, have, we are having to pledge our fields, our vineyards, and our houses in order to get grain during the famine. And there were those who said, We are having to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay the king's tax. Now our flesh is the same as that of our kindred. Our children are the same as their children, and yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been ravished. We are powerless, and our fields and vineyards now belong to others. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and their complaints. After thinking it over, I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, You are taking interest from your own people. And I called a great assembly to deal with them and, I, and said to them, As far as we are able, we have brought back our Jewish kindred who had been sold to other nations. But now you are selling your own kin, who must then be bought back by us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. You sh should you not walk in fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us stop this taking interest. Restore to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the interest on money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. Then they said, We will restore everything and demand nothing more from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them take an oath to do as they had promised. I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out everyone from house and from property who does not perform this promise. Thus may they be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Good morning. 
Thank you for having me here this morning. My name is Reverend Beth Graberholt, and I serve as the lead organizer for Justice in Action. I started on December 1st of 2022, and for six years before that, I was serving uh, the Methodist Church here in Lincoln. I was the associate pastor at Christ United Methodist Church, um, and I ran an outreach ministry called Connection Point near 33rd and Holdridge Street. And it was through that ministry, um, serving some of the most, most low-income neighborhoods in Lincoln, um, that I developed a passion for justice. People would come to our door there, uh, showing up for food or for clothing, but the more I got to know them as their pastor, the more I started to hear about their other needs, about the other things they were experiencing on a daily basis. And the story of one woman stands out to me in particular um, as I think about the work that we're doing now with Justice in Action. And I'll call this woman Jane, although that's not her real name. Jane came to Lincoln as a refugee from Iraq, fleeing violence and religious persecution. While she was a successful clothing designer in her home country, uh, teaching at an art institute where I got to see some of the beautiful designs she had made, when she got to Lincoln, she spent her first years here just learning English and taking care of her five children while her husband worked. She struggled, but she survived through a cancer diagnosis. And after some years here, she got her citizenship and then sponsored her elderly parents to come to America as immigrants so that they could be near Jane and her siblings. She made a home for her ba uh, parents in a small basement apartment about a block from here, actually, on 16th Street. And she took the responsibility of providing for them as well as herself and her children. After I'd known Jane for about a year, as she had been coming to our open shelf pantry regularly to get food to feed her big family, she told me that her mother's health was starting to decline and that she was increasingly concerned about leaving her father and mother home alone together in the apartment. You see, doctors had diagnosed her mother with uh, dementia and schizophrenia and had given her medication that she would only rarely take. In between driving kids to school and work, going to her own doctor's appointments and meeting the family's basic needs, Jane was now trying to be with her parents as much as possible because she was concerned for their safety. So concerned that she purchased a cheap security camera to put in their apartment to, so that she could help monitor their safety when she couldn't be there. And one day she got a notification from the camera and saw the video of her mother attempting to poison her father by adding cleaning solution to his food. Terrified, Jane got to the apartment as fast as she could and took her mother to the hospital where she was admitted for a short stay of about three days before being discharged. Despite Jane sharing her concerns that her mother would quickly go off her medication and start deteriorating again. When Jane asked the doctors and social workers for more help to ensure her mother's stability, she was told that there weren't really any options. Nursing homes were very expensive and couldn't care for someone with such severe psychiatric needs anyway. And until she had officially been taken into custody by the police, they had no recourse for holding her in psychiatric care. So Jane's mom went home and a few weeks went by before she got word that the police had been called on her mother because she was blocking traffic, standing in the middle of 16th Street in her nightgown. 
They took her back to the hospital where she stayed for a few more days while Jane went before the county mental health board to try to have her mother committed since she was clearly a danger to herself and others. And that resulted in a week or so in the Lincoln Regional Center where she received inpatient treatment. The doctors there got her on medicine, declared her stable, and despite Jane's protests, sent her back home with no additional follow-up and no continued services to ensure the safety of her and her family. Jane became stretched thinner and thinner, trying to care for herself, her children, and her parents. When she came to the open shelf pantry to get food every week, she seemed more hopeless. And as I tried to counsel her through her situation, I felt more and more hopeless as I, trying to get her family the care that they needed. Because sadly, in their situation, Lincoln's mental health system had worked the way it was intended to. It had worked the best that it could, especially for an elderly person without health insurance. The system did what it was set up to do, but it still failed Jane and her family, like it fails countless others every day. Our scripture this morning from Nehemiah chapter 5 begins by saying, now there was a great outcry of the people. And Jane's story reflects the outcry of the people in our community. It's a story not very different from dozens of others that were shared in over 80 listening sessions held this fall across Lincoln and Lancaster County, where leaders from 20 different faith communities asked their friends and fellow churchgoers, what keeps you up at night worrying? These people of faith received training and held these meetings as part of the annual process for justice in action a new coalition of people of faith and goodwill who are working within the model of the nationwide organization called the Direct Action and Research Training Center, or DART for short, to uncover and address the injustices in our community. For 40 years, DART organizations, now active in 31 cities, have been helping people improve their communities with a model inspired by the story of Nehemiah. Because of Micah 6.8, which the choir sang for us this morning so beautifully, tells us what the Lord requires of us as people of faith to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. The story of Nehemiah tells us how to do justice. It provides us with biblical inspiration and a model for organizing ordinary people to take on powerful systems that are causing suffering in today's world just like Nehemiah and the people he organized, took on the nobles and officials who were seizing their fields, vineyards, and houses in exchange for grain during a famine. Justice in Action follows the model of Nehemiah by starting each fall with the listening process that I described, where we hear the cries of the people. Then those who share their concerns are invited to gather for an annual community problems assembly, where we vote on which issues to address in the coming year. This past November, 300 people from participating faith communities in Lancaster County voted to address our broken mental health care and criminal justice systems. From there, interested individuals help facilitate a research process where we think it over, like it says Nehemiah thought over the issues of his time in verse 7. We've now narrowed down two very broad issue areas, mental health and criminal justice reform, to specific problem statements 
And we have found and researched solutions that can be implemented in our community to address the suffering our loved ones are facing. All the while, Justice in Action is organizing the people of, in our faith communities to prepare for a great assembly where, like the people of Nehemiah's time, we will gather in large numbers to demand that our local officials address the problems and implement the solutions we have identified. And that assembly is just four short days away, my friends. Many of you have probably been hearing about it for some time now, but our Nehemiah assembly is on Thursday, May 4th. Uh, doors open at 6 p.m. Program starts at 6.30 at the Lancaster Event Center. We will share the findings from all of the research and work that we've done over these last many months. And then we will have public officials on the stage and we will ask them to implement the solutions we are asking for. Namely, uh, navigation services in our mental health care system and expanded access to diversion so that people who've made mistakes can get second chances instead of sitting longer in our jail. When we describe it in this way, it seems like a very linear process, right? We listen, we research, we gather. But like anything worth doing, it will force us, it has forced us to confront realities and emotions and challenges that we would rather not confront, that we've grown comfortable with not confronting for too long. Because another thing the scripture tells us about Nehemiah's experience shows up early on in verse 6. When he writes that I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. That's not a word we like to say in church. Angry. Moreover, in verse 13 it says, besides presenting their demands to the officials, Nehemiah also shook out the fold of his garment and said, so may God shake out everyone from house and from property who does not perform this promise. This statement, biblical scholars say, is a symbolically enacted curse. And embedded within it is the implication that God saw the act and would judge people accordingly. And that, no doubt, created tension in the midst of that assembly. It, no doubt, made things a little uncomfortable. It certainly wouldn't have felt good to the officials who were the subject of the curse and who had just been called out for their unjust actions. And here I see a parallel between the tactics of Nehemiah and the American who is perhaps the best-known justice seeker in modern history, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., from whom Justice in Action and other dark organizations also draw inspiration. It was in his letter from a Birmingham jail that King wrote to a group of white clergy who he wanted to make just a little bit uncomfortable, that nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and establish such creative tension that a community that has consistently refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. It seeks so to dramatize the issue that it can no longer be ignored. And that's what Nehemiah did. Not only did he gather a large crowd in public to confront the nobles and officials who, like the power players of our time, were probably used to negotiating behind closed doors, he also dramatized those demands by shaking out the fold of his garment. While, after he heard the cries of the people like we have heard the cries of our people, he could have chosen to only help them through acts of mercy 
which are necessary to ensure that people have food to eat and clothes to wear and a roof over their heads, Nehemiah chose to also help by seeking justice through nonviolent action, gathering a large assembly of people and making the nobles and officials feel the same tension that the ordinary people of Jerusalem had been feeling all along while their land was stolen and their children were sold into slavery. Nehemiah and Dr. King didn't create tension out of thin air. They creatively transferred the oppressive tension felt by thousands of people in their private lives into the public arena where justice could be served and wrongs could be righted. And I'm here to tell you that there is anger in our community too, even though we don't like to talk about it. Because not only was Jane distressed, but angry that the police had to be called in order for her elderly mother to get the mental health treatment she needed. I not only felt helpless, but angry when I had to tell her that the local mental health system had functioned the way it was intended to in her family's case. As people of faith, we must not shy away from that righteous anger, that anger at injustice, but we must learn to channel it constructively, like the people of Nehemiah's time did, like Jesus did when he confronted the religious leaders of his day in peaceful, nonviolent, but assertive ways. By the grace of God, we must learn to work through the tension that will arise as we challenge the oppressive status quo in our communities. The status quo that relies on police officers to be the primary navigators of our mental health care system, as members of the Lincoln Police Department told us themselves when we interviewed them. The status quo that preys on the poorest and perpetuates a sense of scarcity and hopelessness among us. The status quo that incarcerates people when what they really need is mental health treatment. As Dr. King wrote, we must not allow the power structures of our community to be consoled by the church's often vocal sanction of things as they are, or we will risk becoming, as he warned, an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. A critical mass of faithful people in Lincoln is done sanctioning things as they are. We're done allowing our hospitals to serve as a revolving door for those with mental health conditions, where our family members visit again and again and still tragically end up taking their own lives because there's no follow-up care. We're done allowing our neighbors who've committed a nonviolent infraction to sit in jail for months before they stand trial, simply because they're too poor to pay the cash bail that the rich criminal from the other side of town can easily afford. While so many of our communities have invested so much in addressing the symptoms of our city's suffering by doing mercy or serving others through food pantries, clothing closets, and soup kitchens, Justice in Action is here to provide the tools based on biblical and historical inspiration and best practices to finally help people of faith in this community do justice by addressing the root causes of that suffering. This approach calls us to do ministry with others, 
with our fellow people of faith and people of other faiths, with the people who are most directly impacted by today's injustices, and with those in power who must be held accountable for implementing more just systems and practices. So alongside the technical understanding of the process and the scriptural basis for it is this truly relational approach to ministry, which I see in the life of Jesus himself and in the work of Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah didn't send a survey to the people, did he? No, to get a sense of what their concerns were. He didn't. He worked alongside them. He talked with them. He heard their cries. He felt their suffering as his own. And then he invited them to join him by taking action and speaking directly with those in power. He got everyone to the table. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. And that's why I invite you to be involved in this process, even if it means just showing up this Thursday night at the Lancaster Event Center. That is important. Your presence is important. And I invite you to share about this opportunity with others. Invite them too. Our goal is to gather over 1,000 people of faith and goodwill to show our public officials that there is broad support for these issues and the solutions we're seeking. History shows us that really accomplishing anything for the cause of justice rarely happens spontaneously. And it never happens without serious effort and relationship building. To do justice in Lincoln and Lancaster County, we don't just need an understanding of the problems and well-researched solutions. There's plenty of studying and research happening in Lincoln. And yet, people like Jane and her family are still suffering. Like Nehemiah, we need the power of organized people, moving in the same direction, making the same requests of those in power, until, as the prophet Amos wrote, and the great leader, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, so often quoted, justice rolls down like water, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Amen. <laughs>